hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 165. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. Netgear.com.au for all your networking information and needs. We'll tell you more about them shortly. My name's Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au. And joining me each and every week, the other bloke, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mates. G'day, Trev. How's things? Mate, uh, big week. really good. Yeah, that's good. It was... Uh... An enjoyable week, and uh, and you had a lot to do with actually uh, one of the main <laughs> topics of uh, of our podcast today, which we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, a very exciting week. And and th- thankfully, no sport talk. Okay, this week I know we got overwhelmed with Queensland supporters annoyed with Stephen Fennick's uh, controversial <laughs> comments last week. No, we didn't get a yeah, single, right. we didn't get a single comment, but that's okay. Uh, but we'll have a little wager on that one, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, on game three. Okay, all right, okay, right here. We'll uh, we'll talk about that in in a week or so. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. And as Stephen mentioned, I had a little bit to do with some of the news out this week. Uh, I got to sit on the other side of the uh, the technology news fence uh, in my day job as uh, manager of technology strategy and innovation at SBS. Um, I got to to show Stephen and and a few others a little project I've been working on for about eighteen months, and uh, it kind of made me realise how long these things take and how. I guess it's it's often that people don't realise how things don't just happen overnight. And what I'm talking about is the release of uh, SBS On Demand, the uh, catch-up TV service for SBS, on a new platform called HBBTV. Now, HBBTV stands for Hybrid Broadband Television, and it is essentially uh, new TV sets that are capable of, uh, of receiving HBBTV and are connected to the internet can combine both a free-to-air digital TV signal and internet content in one and what we at SBS have done is uh, basically make the on-demand catch-up service available right there so when you're watching free-to-air TV you press a red button uh, when the red button comes up on the screen and you can actually access all the catch-up content right there and it's look I I think it's a really exciting little launch but for me it's the future of this that gets me quite excited but I don't know whether whether that it's been a complicated thing for you to explain to people this week or whether you've had much reaction mate. No, I uh, no, I, I've uh, explained it. I've, I've done a fair bit of it on the, on radio this week, and I, I think uh, good on SBS too, by the way, for being the first out of the gate with this uh, technology. But I think uh, anything that makes it easier for the viewer to access content, I think, is a big tick in my book. Uh, and uh, rather than having to go to an app and having a smart TV and all that sort of stuff, or, although you do need a connected TV to access this service, but it's hard to buy a TV that's not connected from uh, nowadays. But now I, I like the fact that uh, you're putting it right up up front, right up there with the broadcast. It's uh, accessing that content. And look, let's face it, I think there's a lot of on-demand has been quite a popular thing. I think uh, I understand SBS is the most accessible on-demand across more platforms, more TVs uh, than any other uh, on-demand right. service. Yep. So, uh, you know, I think that making that, uh, that rich content available even easier using HBBTV 
And uh, it is hybrid broadcast broadband TV that stands for, or is it just hybrid broadband? Hybrid broadcast broadband TV. Um, There's two Bs in the middle there, right? And the thing uh, thing is is this is uh, um, in advance of a launch, um, hopefully in the next month or so, of a thing called Freeview Plus, which has been broadly reported. I mean, I'm obviously close enough to it that I'm playing with it. I've seen it. But in essence, it's it's a new EPG system that on these new enabled televisions um, will get you will allow you to watch uh, look at the EPG across all the networks but also look at catch up content across all yep. the networks so it's kind of a really exciting couple of months ahead for this but for me and I, I just like to like to kind of daydream a little cuz that's my job uh, at SBS is to daydream about the future and the, the <laughs> we've got that on record people <laughs> daydream he's a daydreamer right <laughs> and uh, and and the, the future here is there's a couple of great examples of this and how it interacts remember what we're doing here is we're combining hybrid the broadcast signal and broadband content so imagine you you, you go to watch a, a program like Mythbusters that starts at 830 and you and you get home at 845 you turn on the TV you've missed the first 15 minutes well the press of a button you could perhaps potentially call up that episode from the start so without having set your recorder without having done anything you've just gone oh, I missed the start press a button and the and the IP yeah. version, the streamed online version of that show via that your network, whether it's SBS or another, might become available. And then sure. the other one is binge content, which at SBS we call back to back. You finish watching an episode of something, and then it says, "Do you want to watch next week's episode?" You don't have to go out to an app. It doesn't tell you to go to your website. It doesn't tell you to open up your iPad. You just press a button, and it's the next week's it. episode appears. It's Great. I think um, what, some of the scenarios that uh, during our little uh, little meeting uh, in your office there, uh, some of the scenarios that I kind of floated by you uh, about the future of this technology, the, the fact that you've got a broadband layer to the broadcast now, I think presents some exciting opportunities, some exciting possibilities. I think a couple of the ideas that I floated by was the ability to, I think I, I even wrote this in my story on Tech Guide about accessing information in real time. Like, you know, when you, you know, when, how many times have you heard on a TV show, uh, you know, you, the, the, uh, the information will be on our website yeah. or there's a, go, go to the website for the information. Wouldn't it be good? This, this sort of presents that scenario where you can present that information in real time now at the press of a button. You can access that recipe or possibly even download it. Mm. In, and as you say, a- instead of um, whenever you put a, a website address up on the screen, instead of doing that, or in, as well as doing that, you put a colored button on the screen. So let's say a blue button, you press the blue button, and whatever's being talked about on the air is available to you, whether it's a piece of text. Uh, via a, you know web content or whether it's a, a video highlight and I like to think of the director's cut you know or the the DVDs have all this Absolutely. extra information on well that could be that could be available to viewers all while you're so sitting on the lounge. That's a good point. So potentially you're watching a movie and you could then call up, a, hit the blue button and then maybe the behind the scenes of how that scene was shot yep. could be displayed on the screen at the same time. And, you know, you think about why why you would want to do that as a broadcaster. You, you know, people, you got to, let's say you had a million people watching a movie and at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, the credits roll, everyone turns off. Well, why not tell them at that point that there's a behind the scenes, there's an extra cut, there's a uh, another ending or whatever it is. And if, if just 10% of those people clicked and did that, then obviously that's more video served, that's more revenue through advertising. There's you know there's benefits to the broadcaster and it's additional content Absolutely. for users. And, uh, what about, what about 
the the other scenario was also uh, maybe more a more commercial scenario where uh, you can well TV like uh, some of the shows on at the moment like let, let's talk about the reality shows like the Block yep. and the Master Chef and a lot of them have obviously a very high commercial aspect in terms of product placement yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on there commercially. Now, one of the potentials for this could also possibly be where you could buy products that you see from the screen. So say you are watching The Block, for example, and they've got a nice uh, a nice couch from Freedom Furniture, mm. then it is within the realms of possibility of HBB TV to allow the viewer to purchase that. It is. Or to have, create a link to that. It, it is obvious. You know, the bottom line is the imagination is the only limitation. And that's what really excites me. It is very, very young. And we are talking about a thing here that possibly tens, hundreds, maybe thousands today could be watching because there's only seven TVs, uh, models of TVs yeah, in the market from Panasonic. Um, you should explain that in, uh, to the listeners that not every TV is going to be able to pick this up straight away. No. Uh, there are some models already out there, so I think we should explain that. If you've got an old TV, you have to wait until your next buy a television. If you're buying a television today, there's probably a 40% chance that it will in the future be able to, to see this HBB TV stuff. Um, the point is that if you buy, let's say, a big Sony or, or LG TV, it may be able to do HBB TV, but it won't actually work today until Sony and, and LG release what's called a firmware upgrade, a software upgrade for that yeah. TV, hopefully in the next month or so. So, so, so potentially a TV that you've bought maybe this year could have an upgrade that will enable that. If it's a 2014 model, it, there's, a, there's a likelihood. If it's anything older than that, like it's a 2013 model that you bought in March, I'd all, almost guarantee you it's a no. Um, right. And that, that's well, life. Um, so, but one other point, though. You mentioned mm. if you've got an older TV, forget about it. But isn't it possible that there, there may be Freeview Plus set-top boxes that will enable that, that? That's absolutely right. So, Humax, for example, is a company that's looking at in, integrating HBB TV into their set-top boxes. So, uh-huh. if you want to get access to this, there will be ways. But more importantly, and to put perspective around it, the the industry and certainly I don't see this as being a, a you know a huge volume thing for several years. But in five years from now, when another ten million TVs have been sold and you know five million of them are HBB TV compliant, you're starting to talk about real mass integration between broadcast and broadband, and that's exciting. Absolutely, yeah. Well, good to see that SBS has kicked it off, uh, and the potential is incredible. I, I'm really looking forward to. I, I had a software upgrade on my. I got a Sony TV here. Had a software upgrade. Got excited that it might be included <laughs> straight to SBS. There was no little red dot. Mate. No, no Look, red dot. Uh, we'll, we'll try and organise you a Pana TV later on. But um, <laughs> anyway, you can read uh, Stephen's story about the HBV TV SBS on demand app at TechGuide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well, as Australians, we're uh, we're a pretty uh, tech savvy bunch. We're we, we're not afraid to try new technology. So, uh, with that in mind, it it doesn't probably comes as no surprise to see that the latest research has shown uh, from Telsite as has shown that we are quite a, the connected nation, both at home uh, in the workplace. A new study, uh, their latest report called Digital Nation. Uh, has uncovered uh, our our digital habits, if you like, uh, the way a little snapshot of how we are connecting, how often we are connecting, and how many times we're connecting uh, in the home as well. Uh, some interesting stats there that show that uh, we are very, very much, very much a connected society. We're on face more than half the population accesses Facebook every day. Fifty-eight percent 
use at least one other device while mm. they're watching TV. So the the smartphones and the tablets. Uh, what what do I, I like this stat though that in in an average household, <laughs> okay, this is and you and I are probably above average <laughs> yeah. here, but there are eight connected devices in a home. With uh, and more than a third of households also download a hundred gigabytes of data per month. Well, like I always thought, I was That's above awesome. average as a as a human being. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> I've got twenty eight connected well, devices. Well, you know what? I've actually just checked uh, my uh, my Netgear Nighthawk has the Netgear Genie, and I've logged in right here. Number of devices attached right now, and this is ten o'clock at night on a Wednesday night. Twenty eight. <laughs> I got it wrong. Yeah, I have twenty eight devices. <laughs> Now yeah. the kids are asleep, so the iPads aren't on. Um, the the I don't know. There's a few devices that could still be turned on here, so we'd crack the thirty on an average day easy. What about your downloads though? Like I've got unlimited. Like I've got three teenage kids who probably download more than I do. We've got unlimited. Uh, our Optus Unlimited monthly cap. What, how are you in the downloads? We states? have a we have a five hundred gigabyte cap, which we've only ever gone near when I binged a, a crazy program. I, I don't use near near two hundred gig. I think I'm I'm around the hundred. I might just log in and check while you tell us about more of the exciting stats. But you yeah, say, I don't you think save we do. up you save up all your downloads for when you're at work. Is that right, mate? Or? <laughs> <laughs> But no, no. The uh, what it's showing though, and and we we're in what they're calling the post PC era. So post PC, the the devices we're using now instead of the computer. So we're talking smartphones uh, and tablets, and uh, we're using that. We also shop a lot too with our our smartphones and tablets. We're not afraid to buy products. In fact, twenty nine percent of Australians use their mobile device to purchase a physical product. I'm not talking about downloading a song or a movie. We purchased a physical product that was delivered to our homes. 29% of us, tablet users, 43% purchase products online as well. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the whole the whole industry sort of in 2013, Australians spent online in e-commerce more than $20 billion. And we've heard that before. That that correlates with what eBay's told us before too, doesn't it? Um, you know, about what we're doing and how, how much we're doing it. And look, it's interesting. I, I, we are looking at my YouTube usage here just quickly it looks like we're using around 243 gigabytes um, so once again above average the above long average, house yeah, absolutely. very good you know well I, we're right up there as well mate i think just the just the game of thrones season i think uh, got us our downloads per month was up there but, uh, <laughs> anyway but uh, yeah legally downloaded of course but uh, yeah but, uh, yeah the it, what it shows though too is that that our connectivity is also something that's sort of pushing into the workplace as well. Like we, we've all heard of BYOD, bring your own device, and we all do that. Uh, but the ability, the, the fact that we're connected um, so easily has also changed our work habits. So I like the fact that there's now a, a large percentage of companies, I think more than 40% of organizations, allow their staff to work from home at least one yeah. day a week. Just sort of that connectivity, and this is a favorite saying of mine, that connectivity means that work is a thing we do rather than a place we go. That connectivity has allowed us to to do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a quite a um, in, in-depth study, but I think it, uh, it does, I'm not suggesting it's useless, I'm just suggesting it confirms a lot of what we thought or knew. And uh, it's, it's useful sometimes to see that kind of data. So uh, all that data, all the study information is available on Stephen's website, techguide.com.au. That's from Telsite. 
um, who do produce a fair bit of uh, research because they're uh, they're always looking at um, uh, you know providing this guidance and advice uh, really for for investors and and, uh, and the financial markets. You know, this is how they decide you know which companies are on the up and 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 whatnot. So it's quite interesting data. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. And I mentioned my Netgear Nighthawk, and uh, we do the show thanks to the good people at Netgear. And the Nighthawk router will give you the fastest Wi-Fi currently available, uh, so you can enjoy a blazing fast, lag-free Wi-Fi experience for gaming, video streaming, or just surfing. We're talking um, Wi-Fi up to 600 plus 1300 megabits per second, gigabit Wi-Fi, next generation Wi-Fi at gigabit speeds, gigabit wired as well, plus a dual-core processor inside. So we're talking about computing power inside a router, and that does that allows you to do amazing things like the beam forming that uh, it will direct the wireless signal uh, to your device, so you get better speed, better reliability, and better range. And uh, there's three high-powered amplifiers with three ex- sorry, there's high-powered amplifiers with three external antennas to give you that range from this beautiful little device. It looks like a stealth fighter, and it gives you stealth speed. So fantastic product from Netgear. Uh, check it out at netgear.com.au. And we've talked in the past, mate, about um, some of the Garmin products, especially the golfing products. You, you don't mind a hit out on the course. I, I'd Absolutely. love to get on a course. I just don't have time, to be honest, to, to play, you know, eight, let alone nine, let alone 18 holes of golf. But I, do, I don't mind getting on the driving range. And my problem's always been these great golf devices really only give you information about golf courses, not golfing. The announcement today from Garmin about the Approach S6 Golf Watch blew my mind because in a watch, yeah, just a simple little round face watch. You've got a color screen. You're out on the golf course. It knows where you are from GPS. You get text message alerts from your phone. And that GPS converts into 30,000 golf courses information stored in the watch that then is shown on the screen so you can see distance to pin, uh, blind corner guidance, all this kind of stuff for your game. But then for me, the, the hacker out on the the driving range, I'm wearing the, the, the S6 Approach Golf Watch, and it can tell me about the tempo of my swing, the strength of my swing. It can give me audible alerts to help me through my swing and to create a consistent swing. This is seriously, for 500 bucks, what an unbelievable piece of kit. A very smart product and 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 very intelligently done because you think of you know you're wearing your watch your watch is on your wrist which is right next to where you hold the club so it is a perfect place to register that information to to measure that information and and like you said it's great it's, it's great to have a gps golf watch when you're on the course but they're useless off the course they can tell the time and all that but the the, the golfing side of things is over with but being able to use this on the driving range, as you suggested, uh, to, for, for practice, to help you, I think it's, it's truly an all-round golfing product that can help you on and off the course. And Garmin actually have uh, invited us to a, uh, a golf day uh, late July. I don't know whether you got that invitation. I if you do get that invitation, we'll make sure we're in the same group. That's a good idea. I don't think I can do it, though. Okay, but yeah, it's, it's at the lakes. I don't think I'm going to knock that invitation. <laughs> uh, and no doubt they'll be handing out, hopefully, the uh, the the S6 uh, for us to wear. I'll hopefully have it already by then. I'm going to review it on Tech Guide. But uh, look, 
I think Garmin are a leader in this sort of product. They've 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 put out a number of, of excellent GPS devices, but this is just taking it to the next level. And like I said, there are there are plenty of those swing uh, swing analyzers on the market. Yes, where you need to wear something on your glove or you know something on the end of the club. But how smart is it incorporating into the watch? Because your watch is right there in the middle of your swing. So a terrific way to measure exactly what you're doing and hopefully help you improve. I um as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, another golf product. I'll, I'll never be able to review it. I'm not, not going to get on a course. And then I thought, hang on a minute. Swing, swing tempo, swing power. So, you know, it'll help you on the screen. And you know what it looks like on the screen from what I've seen? It actually looks like a, very, a lot of the, the golf games where you've got a kind of uh, swing that, that goes up to red and then back and you've got to pick, you've got to hit it right in the middle um, to, to get the, the swing right. And I think it's, it's, it's that kind of concept where it's actually pushing you to just consistently do the same thing and get the strength and the, and the dynamics of the swing right. So very interesting stuff. For, for all the golfers out there, though, and I'm one of them, anything you can do to improve your game, you will listen to it. You will That's pay right. attention to it. I think uh, for those, those, those listeners out there who love a hit of golf, this is a sort of product that you've been waiting for. I think uh, if it can help you even a little bit with your swing, it's a very complicated process sometimes. You swing a lot of moving parts. If it can help you just a little bit to improve your swing and get you swinging more consistently, then it's going to go a long way to improving your game. All right, the Approach S6 Golf Watch. Uh, I've got it up on eftm.com.au and Stephen will have it on techguide.com.au shortly. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, it was Panasonic's turn to unveil their latest home entertainment range. We're talking televisions. Now, Panasonic was one of the biggest uh, advocates of plasma technology. They've uh, turned away from that uh, in this age now where there are energy star ratings on televisions and people are a lot more conscious about the amount of power that TVs use. Uh, Plasma has sadly gone by the wayside, but that hasn't stopped Panasonic producing some pretty impressive new televisions, starting off with uh, their 4K range. They've got 4K Ultra HD, they're calling it. There's two in the range, the AX800, AX900, and they're the larger TVs, 58 and 65 inch. But what they've done, they've got this new processing engine, and with especially with the AX900, they've taken all their learnings from Plasma uh, and taken uh, the, the quality that Plasma offers in terms of deeper blacks and better contrast and combined it with their relatively new LED technology and still created a very, very impressive picture. They've also got a full range of their full HD TVs as well. So not everyone is going to want to buy a 4K TV, although uh, the pricing on their 4K TVs, pretty much the same, maybe slightly cheaper than the opposition, uh, but the uh, they still have a very healthy range of full HD TVs. They haven't gone down the uh, curved TV path. Mm. They've stayed with flat TVs as well. Good. But they've put, obviously, a lot of smarts in the TV, a, lo- a lot of easier ways to access your content, so it's a little bit more intuitive. Uh, but obviously the bottom line is really nice design. The TVs look really refined and really thin bezels, and they look pretty sophisticated, uh, but uh, also that ease of accessing content uh, from from uh, anywhere within the TV. So uh, good on Panasonic, an exciting new range. And uh, importantly, available from at least $389 for a 24-inch model if you if you can't afford to stump right, up. Yeah. Uh, but Panasonic, you're right, though, some... 
they haven't been very vocal in their like you know they haven't been making as much noise as LG and no. Samsung. But they're they're a, they're kind of they're a really a, a solid brand of TV. Been around for a long time. Uh, got a lot, you know very uh, a Japanese company. Obviously a lot of heritage there. So uh, you know good to see them still in the game there. And you're right. Some some actually some cool features. Uh, you know swipe and share allowing your Android devices and 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 iOS devices to mirror their displays. I note here in your in your story on Tech Guy plus the the TV anytime feature uh so you can view your live shows on a mobile device so it's all it's all about connecting your your second screen to your first screen to to you know make viewing easier Mm, absolutely yeah and and not a bad looking tv too i quite like the new design it's a it's uh i think they've taken they've taken a lot of time to because you know as tvs are getting bigger you got to remember that the size of tvs now we're looking at 55 60 70 inch tvs uh, they're still trying to make the design as subtle as possible so that it, it sort of integrates into our into our rooms. It's not going to be too uh, you know obviously garish and, and 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 ugly. They want to make it quite quite nice and, and refined so that the uh, the wife approval factor will be very high on these uh, TVs. The the uh, what I always think is an important factor when deciding to buy a television: make sure the wife likes the look of it, and Bloody these God. will pass the test. Check it out. The uh, You can have a look at the pictures of it too at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Now, a couple of quick ones before you do, we do your minute reviews. Uh, I noticed uh, the on your website the Toshiba Duo 2-in-1 USB drive. Now, this is... Um, this is a tiny little thing that, uh, you know, uh, capacities, you know, 30, 16, 32, and 64 gig that will USB connect to your Mac or PC and drag and drop your music, but then has the micro USB so you can plug it straight into an Android tablet or smartphone. And if it's got the correct um, uh, uh, mobility on board with that Android device, you can then just view your content straight on your device. Well, the best way I think to describe this is is a USB for your Android uh, mobile devices. One end has the USB three, so that connects obviously to your computer, so you can drag and drop your your content. Like the scenario that I that I put in my story on Tech Guide is that imagine you're going on a long flight and that you want to be able to watch stuff on your Android device. You stick the uh, Toshiba Duo into your computer, drag and drop your movies, TV shows, uh, uh, music, whatever you want to view on your Android device, then put this tiny little Duo in your pocket, or in your carry-on bag, and then when you get on your flight, you simply stick the micro USB end into your, your Android device, and you'll be able to access that content uh, without having to sync your devices, send stuff wirelessly across to one another. That's the simplest way I can explain it. There is an, oh, I've got a photo of myself. Uh, my, that's my Galaxy S5 connected to the Toshiba and playing an episode of Veep, the very funny program with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus on it. Uh, and that just sort of just shows that that's streaming straight off the Duo USB flash drive. So there's no need for me to even download that to the phone. That's just coming straight off the USB flash drive, but we should point out that your Android device needs to support USB on the go, OTG for short, which basically means that that your device will recognize that there's a USB attached and that you can access that content through the gallery, the video player. It'll come up as an option. Uh, the t- content can be viewed 
but uh, every every Android device, I think, from from last year or the year before onwards now can support that. So I've tested on a number of Android devices that I have here in the Tech Guide office, and they worked on every single one. Cracking a little product available from $35.55 and $95 for the 16-gig, 32-gig, and 64-gig, respectively. Check it out at techguide.com.au. I'd like to think this product comes from the go big or go home files. That's how <laughs> I described this on uh, on my story on Tech Guide. The Samsung 12.2 inch Galaxy Note Pro. Uh, then their recently released tablet. They do have the Galaxy Tab S, which is was announced in New York uh, a couple of weeks ago. But this has been in the market uh, for a couple of months now. I've got my hands on it, and it is a big device. You see those? That's my hand holding it in the on my Tech Guide review, just to give you an idea of the scale uh it is a big device now this is the sort of product that i think is aimed at those people who want to a spend the money it's a thousand and ninety nine dollars uh and and as obviously as a potential laptop replacement so rather than you buying a laptop and having this as your tablet this is kind of your workhorse so um the 12.2 inch screen offers a lot of screen real estate there's a lot of room to move uh so for productivity working on the go makes it easier multitasking is really great you can divide the screen in up to four different sections so very handy to use it comes with a couple of accessories uh, added at extra cost you can get accessories like a keyboard a cover so that this device is uh, is uh, really a, a sort of product that can be obviously good for work or play. It's got the S Pen being a note product. It's got the S Pen. Uh, there's a couple of uh, versions of the written note that I've put on my story. Oh, the, the camera was also decent too. Well, yeah, I, you see those images there that I've included in my review. Mm. Uh, uh, not too bad, but I think the, the big the big thing here to discuss is the size. Would this be something I, – I know that you're very sensitive to how heavy a product is, Trev. This is 753 grams. This is, this is a decently weighted product. It's a big device. Is this something that you could potentially use? It's stupid. Why on earth would you want something that big? I don't get it, mate. I've got a great little laptop. Um, I've got a couple of different laptop options. I, I just – I don't see it. Um, I I'll literally you, don't see it. I'll give you a couple of examples why people would like this. Uh-huh. For a start, being a Note Pro, uh, I think in America they had the uh, Tab Pro. There is a there is a, a non so there's a version of this in America that doesn't have the S Pen. That's just a big tablet. In Australia, they chose to only go with the Note Pro, so that writing on this screen that the image the, the screen size is roughly the size of an A4 piece of paper. So it gives someone like a realistic notebook size, notepad size for taking notes, sketching. I think for that kind of user, this is perfect. So rather than you having a – even on a 10-inch tablet, that could be a little bit cramped for someone to express themselves creatively or to write their notes. Uh, so that that's probably one point I reckon that that it would help. Um, the camera, as I said, is not too bad as well. The multitasking is really good. What I like too is when the virtual keyboard's on the screen. So rather than so when you're just using the on-screen keyboard, it's actually a full-size keyboard because of the size of the screen. So that makes typing on it really easy. I found uh, other tablets obviously cramp a little keyboard in there, and you know you're doing your best to hit the keys. But this one, the keyboard, I measured it next to my laptop keyboard it's actually the same size so you are getting a full-size keyboard <laughs> uh unbelievable and you're right it's huge and and your photos do actually rep- represent that quite well so if you want to check out 
the size and scale of this device. It's a $1,099 device, but Stephen has given it a fair rating. I won't spoil it, but check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, let's kick off the reviews with some wireless headphones. Jabra Rocks wireless headphones. That's not me saying that. That's the name of the product, okay? <laughs> Jabra Rocks wireless headphones. Now, uh, they've, they've done away with the cable. They're waterproof, dustproof, uh, and so they're ideal if you're using them in the gym, if you're on the run, if you're just on the move. Public transport, you don't need to worry about a cable connecting your device. It connects via Bluetooth, connects via NFC. So if you've got a compatible NFC device, one touch and you're connected. Um, the the it's got a flat Kevlar reinforced cord, so it's it's flat, so it's not going to tangle up very very much, if at all. Uh, it's also got a control on the on the cable, so you can not only accept your calls, uh, make and receive your calls, but you can also control your music. One of my favourite features, though. Now the, the the sound quality, I should say up front is excellent. Really great representation, high, mid-levels, bass. I always look for a decent bass level, and this is very satisfying bass levels too. So really nice, crisp sound. One of my favorite features, though, is the magnetic earbuds. Uh, there's, a, there's what they call the power magnets. So when you're not using them, you can stick the mag, the, the, the ends of the earbuds together, and they, it's mag, they're magnetized, so they stick together. You can wear it around your neck as a necklace. So you, if you, you don't know where to put your wireless headphones, you can wear them as a necklace. And what that does too, when you put them, the magnets together, it turns them off, which I really liked. And then when you want to turn them on again, you simply prise the earbuds apart and you're good to go. Uh, the Jabra Rocks wireless headphones available now from JB Hi-Fi, priced at $149. Now, I've taken very extreme care here to uh, browse your website, specifically avoiding the next topic, because I have absolutely no idea what a Plox Titan is. <laughs> a Plox Titan, that's a portable charger. Uh, they've got a several products in the market. This is the latest. This is the biggest portable battery they produce. You know the deal, Trev. People get they get a bit panicked when their their batteries are ten percent left on their iPhones and all the Galaxy devices, and they're they're still out and about. Their tablets are running low. They all get in a panic, thinking, "Oh, I've got no power." They don't also they also don't have time to sit next to a PowerPoint for an hour and a half to completely recharge their device. Well, here's where the Plox Titan comes in. It can fit in your bag. It's quite small. It's only slightly larger than a than a smartphone. Uh, it can sit in your bag. It's got an 11,200 milliamp capacity, which is enough power to recharge an iPhone eight times. So there's two USB outputs, a 2.4 for your tablets, and a one amp output for your smartphones. So you can charge two products at once, whether it's a tablet, whether it's a smartphone, so you will not be caught short again. Priced at $99 and available in two colors. It's available in black, it's available in blue. Uh, you bring your own BYO USB charging cables, but it is there when you need it, on the go, can sit in your bag and recharge everything without you going into a panic. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And that's a wrap on episode 165. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au for their support. And Stephen, you can be followed on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH. You can be found at techguide.com.au. You can be heard on the radio at 2GB with Chris Smith. 
My goodness me. We're everywhere, but um, thank you, mate, and we shall talk to you next week. No worries. Looking forward to it, Trev. And uh, thanks for listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. We'll be back again on iTunes right here next week.